Thank you for joining us. I'm Troy Julian Gibson, VP of Marketing for Indiana Minority Health Coalition, and this is Minority Health Matters. My lovely co-host, Erica Pedroza, is also joining us. Hi, good people. This is Erica, and I'm the marketing manager here at the Indiana Minority Health Coalition. I'm happy to be here. Stay tuned for the exciting partnership we have with CareSource and the information they're providing to the community. This podcast is brought to you by CareSource, a nonprofit health plan and national leader in managed care. CareSource's mission is to make a lasting difference in their members' lives by improving their health and well-being. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to Minority Health Matters um, with CareSource today. Um, I'm Erica Pedroza, co-hosting alongside Troy Julian Gibson, our VP of Marketing here at IMHC. Um, And joining us, we have two very special guests today. Um, Today's topic, and I'm going to introduce them in just a second, but today's topic is on mental health because May is mental health month. And so we really want to shed light on some of the important work um, care sources doing and things that we can be doing um, to to help improve our mental health. So joining us um, is Christy Carney, Master in Social Work. She's a licensed social worker, and she's also a certified case manager. And at CareSource, she serves as a behavioral health director. So welcome, Christy. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Hey, Christy. It's great to have you here. And also joining us is Brittany Bertraw. She has um, a master in social work, and she's a licensed clinical social worker. And she is the behavioral health initiative lead for the HIP and Hoosier HealthWise health plans managed by CareSource. So again, welcome, Brittany. Thank you for joining us as well. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. So we're going to jump right in. We have a lot to talk about, and I'm going to hand it off to my co-host, Troy, because he wants to um, pose this important question. This was very um, something that... I really wanted to make sure that I asked this question because I was very interested. Um, this is, you know, why do we even have an entire month dedicated to mental health awareness? Because I know that everyone's been affected and mentioned or read something or know somebody that's been affected by mental health. So why do we have a month dedicated to it? That's a really good question. This is Christy. I'll take that one. Um, I, I think, um, you know, you, you think that maybe a month might be too much, too much, but really we should be talking about mental health and thinking about it every day. But the reason that we have a special month is just to remind us that mental health is important to all of us and those living with mental health, they deserve the care, the understanding and compassion. And so by having this month, we're raising awareness it can lead to deeper conversations about mental health. Um, it can start that conversation so that we can learn about, you know, symptoms that people are experiencing. We can learn about treatment. We can learn how to break the stigma uh, of just talking about mental health. And I think um, now more than ever, especially over the last couple of years with COVID, um, it's really brought mental health to the forefront, like physical health. Um, we really have experienced a lot of trauma and loss because Mm -hmm. of the COVID pandemic. And it's really given us the opportunity to talk about mental health publicly. Um, And 
just to throw out um, a statistic that I think, uh, you know, that will really um, send a message about why we do have a month dedicated to mental health awareness is that we have over a million adults in Indiana that have a mental health condition. Wow. Yeah, I just want to chime in there, Christy. I think that equates to one in five adults and one in six of our youth who experience mental illness each year. And so, you know, mental health and wellness, they're often not fully recognized by like our policymakers, our healthcare providers, or, or the general public. And so I, I think we need to reframe how we think about it. You know, it's, it's an isolating and personal struggle, but it's also um, a public health issue and something that we want to shed light on so that we can kind of combat that stigma and encourage people to, to get help or seek treatment when they need it. I think that's really good, Brittany. I think um, one thing that I, I think is worth mentioning um, for Mental Health Awareness a Month um, that NAMI, and if you don't know what NAMI is, it's the National Alliance for Mental Health, they are having a campaign called Together for Mental Health. And we just want to highlight that today. Um, what they're doing is they're having folks go and record their stories about their struggles with mental health and to increase awareness. So anyone can participate and they can hear the stories um, you can visit NAMI.org. You can hear personal stories. People are blogging and they're just, you know, putting different, different messages out there just to let people know, you know, that this is Mental Health Awareness Month and mental health is just as important as physical health. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that sounds like a great campaign. Um, thanks for sharing that. And so this next question, um, kind of built off of the last one, because I heard, I think, um, Brittany, you mentioned um, how important it is to talk about mental health and that really being one of um, the purposes of having a whole month around mental health awareness to get people talking about this topic and it, that it can help break the stigma, I heard you say. So um, Christy, if you don't mind, how if you can um, kind of explain how la the language we use impacts stigma. Yeah, of course, I'll take that. Um, language matters a lot. I think the words we choose, the way we talk about mental health, the way we talk about people living with mental health, and I think it, it really can determine um, if folks feel shame or they feel fear or, they're, or they become silent. If we're not careful um, about the language we use, it could really prevent someone who needs help and treatment from getting that. So I think we have to be the change agent. We have to change that perception or it will never change. Um, so, you know, it's hard enough navigating, you know, your life with a mental health condition. Mm -hmm. um, it can cause a lot of isolation, a lot of blame, a lot of secrecy. And um, as Brittany mentioned, a lot of stigma um, related to that. And, and so um, in order, in an ideal world, we would treat mental health, just like I said earlier, like we would physical health. Um, we would treat things in such a serious way. For instance, if I break my arm, you wouldn't tell me, oh, never mind, that'll heal in a few weeks on right. its own. Um, so in the same way, you wouldn't say to someone who has you know, who's clinically depressed or has depression, you're just sad and you'll get over it. Give it some time. And I think Brittany would agree with me on that. What, what do you think, Brittany? Absolutely. I and mean, this is something I'm really passionate about. I think 
the language that we use about mental illness or about substance use, it, it really matters so that people are willing, yeah, so that they're willing to address those, those concerns or those issues that they may be having. And I think, you know, even though mental health issues can be successfully treated, I think stigma really plays a role because less than half of the adults who might need mental health treatment actually seek mm -hmm. the services that they need. Right. And so, yeah, I, I just want to throw in some examples too, because language can be stigmatizing and it can, like I said, it can really impact someone's willingness to come, to come forward. And so just to give an example of, you know, maybe some say this, not that type things, you know, with substance abuse, if you think about the word abuse, it really has a negative connotation mm -hmm. or it can bring about that feeling of shame. And so if somebody's using substances, they might not feel comfortable sharing that information and then they they won't get the help that they need so i think you know if you, rather than saying substance abuse it's important to use that person first type language uh, where we say somebody who uses substances mm. that really allows us to focus on the action and explore why somebody is using substances rather than shaming them into feeling like they're doing something wrong right okay um, that's definitely helpful. I think just learning um, what to say and what not to say, it reminds me of providing culturally competent care to all people. So thank you for providing that example. Um, so it leads me to my next question. Um, I'm curious, both of you, what types of mental health conditions um, do you typically see among your members at CareSource? Yeah, I can take that. This is Brittany. We see all types of mental health conditions, and, and those are things that affect our emotions, our thoughts, or our behavior. I think annually we conduct a, an assessment of our population, and some of the most common conditions we see are related to substance use, depression, and anxiety. Christy, would you agree? Yes, I would definitely agree. Just to go back to, I was thinking, you know, just about having that conversation about mental health conditions, you know, and using that first person language. I think it's also important to look at, you know, how in society um, people are starting to change the way that they're talking about uh, mental health. And, and particularly if we look at like celebrities or music artists, there are people mm -hmm. who are, yeah, they're trying to positively influ influence people to share their experiences. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. And I've seen it in the media recently with like the tennis players and the basketball players. Kanye West said something. Um, he said, it's like, you know, a sprained brain. He said, um, you know, when someone sprains or breaks something, you use that same analogy. Um, you have to get something, something has to be done um, or it's going to get worse. Exactly. I think it changes our emotion, the way we think and our behavior. And so, um, and that impacts our ability um, to live our lives. So yes, it's, it's great that some of these celebrities are coming forward to really, you know, talk about what's going on with them, just like you would with a physical health condition. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. So the next question that I have is, can you talk about how the pandemic impacted the mental well-being for children? I have a six-year-old and it was his first year of school. Going to school virtually impacted the whole class. And can you tell me about that and, and what you know about that as far as the, any studies or anything that you've, uh, you've, you've done for CareSource? Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, this is Brittany. I can take that one. I think the pandemic was difficult for everybody, but when we look at that impact on children, it's really quite alarming. I had read a, a recent report from the CDC, and it said that 44% of teens had reported feeling persistently sad or hopeless. And that was up 37% from prior to the pandemic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the pandemic, you know, it brought about a lot of uncertainty and, and certainly loss. And youth might have been looking to adults for answers and how to cope. And many adults were trying to figure that out in the same way. And so I think, you know, it could have been scary and, and might have led some of those reports of sadness or, or the delays that you had mentioned, Troy. Yeah, and Brittany, um, did you did you see the recent article that was recently published about low income schools? Um, they reported that 53% of students struggle with mental health um, issues, and it worse and it worsened during the pandemic. Um, mm -hmm. And they did a survey um, in this study, and um, 967 ed um, educators were surveyed, and so 20% of those felt prepared to support students struggling with mental health issues. So only 20%. Um, so we have kids who are living in poverty. We That causes a lot of stress. It causes trauma. It causes hunger. It causes housing insecurity. And with the pandemic and, and financial issues, it only exacerbated, I think, these problems. But this survey, um, because of the survey, they issued a free resource guide for educators. And the resource guide had best practices and activities that you could utilize in the classroom. And the most interesting thing was, you won't believe this, that in the first hour that they launched the guide and shared it, 3,500 educators nationwide downloaded the guide. Wow. Wow. That means they know that that it's it's needed. Right. How can yeah. how is it affecting just to to stay on that topic? I need to know how were the younger children affected, like the elementary school. I think you know we saw delays in their learning. There there's some you know evidence too that we're seeing some anxiety with reintroducing the children to the school mm -hmm. environment. And, you know, there, there was a lot to say about the negative impact that it's had, but I would also like to say that there is, there is hope and that children are really resilient. And as we've gotten more comfortable with kind of existing with COVID, I think we are able to intervene and support youth with those concerns and fears um, in a better way. And one way, I mean, at CareSource, we're offering youth mental health first aid training, and that's specifically targeted for adults working with youth. And we often talk about how to respond to youth who might be in crisis situations. And so, you know, we like to, to talk in, the, in that class about offering that reassurance when times are hard and kind of giving those children some hope with facts. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we want to kind of reassure them that although it is a difficult time right now, you know, there's, there's treatment, things can get better. And, uh, you know, that's not often done with mental health conditions or, or mental health challenges. So, you know, just as we, as we were talking about earlier, it's really important to kind of normalize those challenges and offer solutions to help youth uh, in whatever way they are struggling. If solutions are definitely key. Can you talk about how CareSource supported members and your community partners with their mental health needs 
um, throughout the pandemic and how, how you continue to support um, your members and community partners. Sure, this is Christy, I'll take that, I'll start. Um, we offer the full continuum of mental health and substance use disorder services to our members. And what I mean by that is we offer, we have inpatient services available, we have residential treatment, we have therapy and counseling. If a member needs access to medications, um, they can get access to both mental health and substance use disorder medications through CareSource. Um, we reimburse our providers for screening and assessments because we want our providers to assess members so they can refer them to treatment and get them in quickly. We have care management services. So we have no nurses, social workers, and community health workers. Um, and prior to COVID, our community health workers were boots on the ground. So they were out meeting with our members where, where they are. So at their medical appointments, at their behavioral health appointments. Um, we offer crisis services. Um, and we also, during the pandemic, really assisted with telehealth. Um, you know, a lot of our members um, weren't going into facilities at that time. The facilities um, had, you know, COVID restrictions and they had staff that they were sick themselves. And so we were able to help them access telehealth. And um, if they lived in a remote area, um, telehealth really um, allowed us to get them connected to a provider um, so that they didn't have transportation barriers and they could still stay connected during the pandemic. Um, as far as what we did with community partners, I'll just um, highlight a few things. Um, we did a lot, CareSource did a lot. I'm really proud of the work that we did during COVID for our providers. So um, we provided personal protective equipment um, for our community partners when, they, when it was really limited. Um, we provided pre-packaged hygiene kits for homeless shelters. We helped um, donate to food banks and we did, um, this was something that was really cool, I think. We did a meal delivery to all of our major Indianapolis hospitals mm. um, because they were so, you know, they were tired. They were working double shifts. Um, so we wanted them to be able to eat and have, you know, have a good meal while still serving our members. So um, that, that's just a little, to, you know, a, a few, but we did a lot more. But um, I'll let, did, Brittany, did I forget anything? Yeah, the one thing I was thinking about, we also did that reimbursement to small businesses. We provided grants so they could get back up and running during COVID. And uh, those loans, they did not have, or the grants, they didn't have to be repaid. And one small business I know used the grant to install air filtration systems. So the, the air was cleaner and it really supported their employees with returning to work. Wow. Oh. Those examples, I mean, the tell us, you know, you're doing the, the online uh, counseling, um, you're doing, um, you know, you're giving out meals uh, to the healthcare workers. All those things are fascinating. I would never have dreamed that CareSource or any uh, company, um, you know, in your area, in that arena would be doing those kinds of things. And you guys are proving that you're out here doing that. Um, Indiana Minority Health Coalition, you know, we're all about health equity. How does someone who needs help get connected to resources or a counselor? Because with health equity, a lot of times they don't know where to start. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I can take that. This is Christy. Um, we want our services to be available for everyone, regardless of where they live, um, what their socioeconomic status is. And so 
if someone um, needs to get connected to resources or to a counselor, um, we, um, if you're a care source member, there are a couple of different ways to do that. So you can call our member services department and um, I will say the number now, but we can, we can say it at the end as well, um, but it's 1-844-607-2829. And our member services department is open 8 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday, Eastern Standard Time. And if you call, um, they can help connect you to resources and to a behavioral health provider. Um, they can answer any of your questions that you have about any of our services or benefits. Um, and we also have what's called a find a doctor tool on our website at caresource.com. And you know, members, providers can go and look up providers in our network that are near to them. They can look up specialists, um, any type of behavioral health provider, um, anything that they might need and print that out. And if they need crisis supports, we have a 24-hour nurse advice line. It's available 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And, and that's if you want to go to caresource.com, the number for the for the care the nurse 24 is there. Um, I don't know if I've forgotten anything. Brittany, rem let me know if I've forgotten anything. You mentioned the care management program earlier. So I just wanted to add that in because you know those nurses, social workers, and community health workers really can help any of our members access the care that they need. And then I guess if you're not a care source member, I did too want to speak to that. You know, the Department of Mental Health and Addictions, they have a website um, or they also have an 800 number and they're available to provide that kind of resource support. Also, um, 211, which is the United Way helpline, they can help connect to any type of resources, not just those related to mental health. And I also, there are several things that we've done. In Indiana, we have the Be Well Indiana uh, website. There's a crisis line for them as well. Um, and that is linked to our National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, that's, that's pretty popular. That's 1-800-273-8255. And Brittany, I, I think it's worth mentioning that in, um, from March, 2021, to March 2022, Indiana's Be Well Crisis Helpline had an, saw an increase of almost 87% in mental health crisis calls. And so yeah. that's about 35,000 calls in the last two years. And so people need to talk to someone. They needed to talk to someone during the pandemic. You know, folks are, that were dealing with health issues, they were dealing with unemployment, they were dealing with grief and loss, and just isolation from social distancing. So I, I'm really glad that you mentioned BeWellIndiana.com. That's a really great resource for our members. Well, thank you both for providing those um, awesome resources. That's, that's a long list. Um, and so now I'm curious because you're mentioning how there was a need for mental health, uh, uh, greater demand for mental health services during the pandemic. And we've talked about what CareSource did to support members and community partners. But what about you all, the employees? Can you talk about how CareSource supported its employees during the pandemic um, with their mental health specifically and how they continue to provide that support to employees? Yes, this is um, this is Christy. I can talk about that. Okay. So um, I'm really proud of what we what we've done at CareSource. And the reason that I think it's important to talk about this is because if we can't take care of ourselves first, how are we going to take care of our members? And so it's really, really important that CareSource did things 
to promote mental health and mental wellness. And so it's kind of like putting your oxygen mask on when you're on a plane. You've got to put yours on first before you can help others. And so some of the things that, that CareSource has done and they're still doing is we have an employee assistance program. So that program is available. It provides confidential short-term counseling services 24 hours a day, seven days a week for our, for our staff. We also have self-management apps that are available that help you deal with your stress, anxiety, or depression. We have a wellness platform that offers courses and tools for stress management. And the most exciting thing um, for me anyway, is that we are going to be launching a new mental health employee resource group. So it's going to be launched this month in May for mental health awareness. And it's gonna create a safe place for all CareSource employees that are interested in promoting positive mental health in the workplace. And so we will have opportunities for staff that will be virtual or in-person and we will have education, we will have training and speakers and wellness resources. And we hope that this group will come together and do advocacy and community engagement because one of our number one priorities is just fighting the stigma and making sure that we're, you know, we're talking about mental health just like we would physical health. Thank you for um, that, Christy. And I'm taking notes. Can you repeat the name of um, the program you all are launching in May? It is called, it's a mental health employee resource group. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And I think the name is going to be mental health advocates. That's going to be our official name. I love it. And so, yes. um, I, I'm curious. So last year, um, IMHC, we had our annual luncheon and we um, decided to focus on mental health. So the title of our luncheon was Minority Mental Health, Achieving a Healthy Mind and Thriving in the Pandemic. It don't mean to toot our own horn, but it really was a great event. Lots of rich discussion. We received lots of great feedback. It was a virtual event, so you can still find it on our Facebook page and YouTube channel um, and even on our website if anyone's interested in going back and, and listening to that. Um, so I'm curious, in, in your work there at CareSource, do you see the mental health of minorities um, being disproportionately impacted? Uh, like what sort of disparities are you all seeing? And what is CareSource doing? So it's a two-part question. What is CareSource doing or planning to do to address the racial and ethnic disparities around mental health? Yeah, I can take that. And then Christy, if you have anything to add, feel free. But I just, I think, you know, minority mental health, just like others, has been worsened by the pandemic. You know, maybe anxiety and depression from social isolation or illness, death of loved ones, job changes, the whole, the whole thing. Um, you know, minorities in particular, they're more likely to have poor outcomes from COVID because of the prevalence of chronic disease or other comorbidities. And this really impacts you know, mental health and well-being. So at, at CareSource, you know, we're ensuring that all our members statewide have access and availability to mental health services. That includes telehealth. And then we're listening to providers, including those who participate on our health equity collaborative about the needs of their patients um, and how those may vary demographic subset. I think okay. yeah, well, something that's come up that's pretty interesting from that, although rates of mental health conditions are not significantly different from whites, Blacks, Latinos, and Asians, they significantly access services at a lower rate. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's something 
think about, you know, the, the access to services is really important, but also, you know, as we've been talking about throughout the podcast, kind of reducing that stigma so that individuals feel comfortable uh, reaching out and, and accessing services. Uh, that's really important to us. We also, uh, you know, at CareSource, we acknowledge the historical causes and challenges accessing healthcare. So we strategically use information from our population health assessments or statewide surveys to identify some areas where health disparities exist. And then we try and implement targeted initiatives and campaigns to improve access to needed care for minority and ethnic populations. And I just wanna give an example before I, yeah. Close, close that out. Um, we worked closely this year with the Indiana Commission on the Social Status of Black Males, and they have several initiatives, but one in particular was the Black Barber Health Initiative. And yes. they, pro yes, they provide screenings. So they do physical health screenings. Uh, they offer BMI and blood glucose testing. And we worked with uh, the commission on including some of uh, mental health related questions into their health screenings. So we worked on adding what's called the patient health questionnaire two. It's two simple questions, not really designed to diagnose, but it, it gives an indication that somebody might need some additional support. So by adding that to the health screening, that would allow uh, kind of that would raise awareness that, hey, there might be a need for resources. And we also created some resource cards that could be distributed so that individuals knew where to go to access that needed those needed services and supports. That's that's a great. And I'm I'm so glad you use the phrase increase awareness, because I think that's that's what's missing a lot of times people yes. aren't even aware if they're struggling so to ask those um, specific questions uh, that may trigger thought hey maybe I am struggling with this so I'm glad you all added that to the assessment thank you um, for sharing um, so th this is like a little side question you know I see the green the green ribbon associated with mental health month um, can someone tell me what the significance of that green ribbon is what, what does it mean Yes, this is Christy, I can tell you. Green is the color um, of mental, it represents mental health. It represents hope, strength, support, and encouragement. Um, so we're encouraging uh, members of the public to wear green, a touch of green, or a green ribbon um, for the cause. And it's an international symbol for mental, mental health awareness. So wear your green ribbon to show your colleagues that you know, you have loved ones that might have mental illness or that you are, you know, you're just showing your support or you're wearing that in memory of, of a loved one. So um, the green just symbolizes the continual awareness of mental health in order to fight the stigma. Um, so that's the significance. Okay, thank you. I wanted to know, I needed to know that. And you gave me the answer. I always wondered what that green ribbon was for. Um, <laughs> as... As we close out, I've got a question um, that talks about, um, you know, how can we, how should I pose this? How can we as a community, um, what can we do to create better mental health for us all? Because men in particular, um, you know, are told to toughen it out or, you know, hey, it's not that big of a deal, you'll get over it. Um, and so sometimes speaking from a male perspective, we don't know what to do and we don't know how to help someone else. We don't know how to guide them to get help. So what can we be doing better as a community to create better mental health? 
A good point, Troy. This is Brittany. And so I just want to speak to that and, and really recommend, you know, that we start to focus on self-compassion for as opposed to self-improvement. And so cut, cut yourself some slack if you're encountering difficult feelings or the inevitable, inevitable bumps of life. You know, if we can practice forgiveness and be kind to ourselves, then we could really share that with others. I think it's important, uh, you know, as we fight to reduce the stigma, I think it's important for people to ask for help when they need it. And then obviously there are things that people can do to take care of themselves in a proactive way, you know, exercising, eating healthy, having a daily routine, you know, those are all things that support um, improved mental health. And I think I just, if you're concerned about a loved one's mental health, you know, ask a question, inquire how they're feeling. You know, you can, it doesn't even have to be technical. You could really just let them know that you're worried or if they don't seem like themselves lately and, and explore what's bothering them. That really opens the door for people to have that conversation. Mm, okay. And just to add on to that, if you see something, say something. You know, if you if someone if you think someone's struggling, just have that conversation. Ask them. I've noticed that you seem more stressed or worried lately. Start that conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's not always an easy thing to do, right? Because because you don't know if you're like calling them out. And but no, I agree because. Again, as I kind of mentioned, sometimes people aren't even aware and they they could look up and say, I'm I'm fine, but maybe they'll think about it later. Like maybe I'm maybe I'm not okay. What is this that I'm going through and may seek help? So thanks for encouraging us to to speak up, even for our loved one, ask, check in on our people. Um, that's great advice. Thank you. And you guys, we're gonna have to invite you back. <laughs> Brittany and Christy, like there's there's so much more mm-hmm. that we can add to this conversation. Um, we're all about solutions here at Indiana Minority Health Coalition. So before we sign off, I'd like for you to give uh, those phone numbers again, if you can. Okay. So for our member services, I'm I'm actually, Brittany, you may have to help me. Oh, for member services, it's 1-844-607-2829. And that is CareSource Member Services. And that's available 8 to 8. Um, and then we also have um, our nurse advice line, which is 1-844-206-5954. Perfect. Thank you for that. Got it. We're going to put this um, on our podcast. It will be listed um, in the opening notes um, about this episode. We want people to have solutions. Um, Indiana Minority Health, uh, Minority Health Matters podcast exists. Uh, to help the community. And today we've had a great conversation with Brittany Bertra and also Christy Carney. And on behalf of Indiana Minority Health Coalition and the Minority Health Matters podcast, I'm Troy Julian Gibson, and you are? I'm Erica Pedroza. And we thank you for joining us. Please share this podcast and check us out at imhc.org. We're also on Facebook. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. You can stay in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and also our website at www.imhc.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and also our YouTube channel. This is IMHC Minority Health Matters Podcast. Until next time.